welcome Jeff Davidson here to the Career Pro Inc. podcast. Jeff, author of now 59 books. We're here to talk about a topic that's very interesting, clutter bug no more. What are we talking about today, Jeff? It's no secret when you walk into somebody's office or a friend's home or, gosh, almost any place in between, that we're all hanging on to too much stuff. Most people, most of the time, I'm not saying everybody, and there are certainly people that are economically disadvantaged, but most people, most of the time, are awash with material goods. Do you know studies show that the typical American home contains nearly $5,000 in goods that people don't even use? Old equipment, extras, stuff that they bought and didn't look at again, $5,000 if you can believe it. And if we want to be masters of our own domains, masters of our our domicile, (laughs) masters of our personal environments, then it behooves us to take charge of the spaces and places that we, you know, call our own. Studies have also shown that we're better able to concentrate when we're not surrounded by clutter in a workplace. Uh, The message we pass on to our children when we have a clutter-free home, they maintain clutter-free bedrooms, they can pass on to theirs. Otherwise, what's the alternative? Just collect more and more and more? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's people have, have nice houses and they rent places to stuff junk. We do this. Yeah, it happens all the time. And then amazingly, a high percentage, much higher than you would think, never claim those storage lockers that they rent out right. and they end up going for auction. Sure. And there are reality shows around all of these issues That's right. that we're talking about That's right. today. So what do we do? We have to recognize that the space in our life tends to be finite. We buy a home. It's 2,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet. We rent. We rent an office. We work in an office. We work in a cubicle. Wherever it is, we work, play, and live. It's finite. There are only a handful of multimillionaires out there who can buy homes that have so many rooms that they could continue to collect stuff, never open the door, and it'd be no consequence. For the rest of us, we need to manage our space. We do. How do we manage our space? First, I would say, is to pay homage to what I call the replacement principle. Very simple principle that can work for everyone. I first developed this when I noticed my daughter's inclination to want to collect more and more DVDs, movies. The replacement principle. Yeah. So we had a little rack that took 24 uh, 24 DVDs, 12 on each side. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon the rack got completely filled. In other words, we had 12 programs on this side of the rack and 12 on that side of the rack. And as we acquired more, I suggested to my daughter that we really ought to replace some of the ones you don't watch anymore, you watched when you were much younger. Which two do you want to give up if we're going to buy these next two? So she looked them over and she was easily able to pull out two. No resistance. I was surprised. Sure. So we put the two in the rack. Now we still had 24 total DVDs in the DVD holder. Time passed, we bought another one or two. I asked her, well, which ones do you want to replace now? 
And again, there were some she hadn't looked at for years. She had outgrown. They were boring to her at this point, or she had a friend she could give them to. By and by, we were able to go years with just that one rack that held 24 DVDs. We never had to expand on the space the DVDs required. The replacement principle in practice. People might feel they're depriving their child if they do this, but she wasn't uh, scarred for life. Not, not only was, <laughs> did she not feel deprived, she easily gave up the older ones. And she seemed to understand the concept. This is the space where we keep the DVDs. We're not buying a second rack. We're not expanding our collection. We're not taking over the house. This is, this is where we keep them, right here. And it needs to fit within these confines. Now, let's expand the principle. Yeah, how does this work in other places? Shoes. Suppose, suppose you're married to somebody or live with somebody who suffers from the Imelda Marcos syndrome. That is, she can't collect enough shoes. You buy a shoe rack. The shoe rack contains enough spaces or bins or whatever it happens to be to house so many pairs of shoes. Once again, as you bring in a new pair of shoes, you decide what old pair of shoes you're going to give away. And as we've discussed, whenever you can identify a recipient... I like that. Giveaway. It's much easier to give away the old item. Mm -hmm. If I know there's a Salvation Army store, if I know there's a thrift shop, if I know there's some other group out there that can use it, can get money for it, it's much easier for me to give away that item. So you can practice the replacement principle when it comes to shoes. You can do it with books, books on a shelf, your children's books, books in the office file folders, documents, anything that can be put on a shelf, unless you want to start buying a second set of shelves and a third set of shelves, the replacement principle will help you to contain your materials on the one set of shelves. Now, for those listeners out there who haven't been to the office here, we have but one set of shelves here, and it's doing an excellent job at housing the materials that need to be housed here. And I presume you're never going to go to a second set of shelves. You don't need to. And now with the replacement principle, there's no reason. No, I get the Jeff Davidson books and I, repla I, I hand them out or sell them. And then I replace them with the Jeff Davidson book. How's that? All right. Of course, <laughs> you, you sell them for a greater value than you first bought them for. Yes, there, I've been there's a pre that. premium. All right. Now, what else can you use the replacement principle on catalogs that you receive at work, vendor catalogs at home, shopper catalogs, and every place in between. Directories, if you have any. Directories of businesses, directories of vendors, directories of products, directories of events. Any kinds of directories lend themselves to the replacement principle. Old clothing can be replaced by new clothing so that your closets remain adequate. Do you remember when you first moved into your current home? Yes. And you looked at those closets before you actually moved anything in. And you said, oh, yeah, look at this. A lot of room, Lots shelf on the top. Room. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you move in, and a year or two goes by, or a few more years go by, and you look at your closets, and what happens? 
I mean, there's even dust on the sweatshirt I know I'm going to wear that fall or winter, and it's still up there. The closets somehow shrink. <laughs> yeah, they shrink. I can't get it's them. a physiological, it's a physical improbability. <clears throat> it's a physical impossibility, but somehow the closets shrink from the time you moved into your home to today. I, I don't know how they did it. Carpenter didn't come by. Somebody with a magic wand. The closets miraculously shrank. It reminds me of going back to my high school 10 years later. It all looked smaller. <laughs> it was the same thing. So we know that the physical dimensions of the closet haven't changed. What's changed is how much we're trying to cram in there and what our perception is about how much we ought to be holding on to. Point. So when you get into a replacement principle, not just for shoes, but for shirts, for pants, for women blouses, dresses, front closet, for coats, for scarves, and so on, all of a sudden your closets can maintain their adequacy. All of a sudden you continue to have room because you're only housing those articles of clothing that you actually use. And you identify the older stuff or the stuff you don't wear for whatever reason, and you give it away. Or, or if you can't bear to give it away, or you believe that it still has value, monetary value, and maybe you will get to it, then you box it and you put it in the attic. Point is, you get it out of the immediate environment so that you're practicing the replacement principle for a compartment, in this case happens to be a closet, that you use every day. Likewise, you can go to your own stack of uh, CDs. You can, you, can, you can do this with uh, memorabilia, with knickknacks. You've got a collection. I can show you ways to pare it down. There's no reason why any collection of anything needs to contribute to the clutter in your household. Suppose you like coins. Suppose you collect Hummels. Suppose you are a stamp collector. Suppose you have baseball cards. Suppose you have matchbooks. Beer cans. Beer cans. <laughs> it goes on forever. Why not retain the best of the best and give, sell, or trade the rest? We all know because of the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, that 20% of our collections normally accounts for 80% of the value and 80% of the satisfaction we have in ownership and 80% of the pride we have in displaying them. So if you retain the best of the best, clearly you'll have enough space because Whatever space it takes to house your collection now never needs to get greater. If anything, it can shrink. So by retaining the best of the best and selling, trading, or donating the rest, you absolutely can pare down. You absolutely can keep clutter at bay. You don't have to be a clutter bug. There is another way to proceed in this life. So not to get totally psychological here but w when we hold on to stuff when we feel we have to hold on to stuff i know people that just absolutely won't let it go how is that holding us back once again if you're a multimillionaire with a 10,000 square foot house room after room 
and you have this space and you can close the door and it won't impede you in any way, it's not holding you back. If it starts to physically get in your way, it's holding you back. It if it's causing problems between you and the other people in your household or in your workplace, it's holding you back. If it's making it difficult for you to find the handful of things you need to when you need to find them, it's holding you back. If the maintenance or cleaning or upkeep becomes onerous, that's holding you back. If you're paying an outside storage <laughs> rental place to, to maintain this stuff, you're, you're dispensing part of your income. So in a manner of speaking, that's holding you back. Now, if you have great value, if you greatly value the items, okay, that's a different story. But let's just consider for a moment whether we're talking about uh, postcards, uh, figurines, dolls, elongated pennies, uh, autographed <laughs> items, uh, photo collections. A lot of this stuff, especially photo collections, obviously you can, you, you can, but but you can digitize them, you can scan them, and if you don't need the hard copy, in other words, you just need the image, then it, it stays on your disk and takes virtually no space. I took all of my father's certificates and uh, army uh, commendations and degrees and everything he had, he had earned or received in his whole life, and there were dozens of these, these items, I scanned them all. I made a very attractive online display. I gave a copy of the disc to my daughter. I still have the hard copy items. I've taken them out of the frames. The frames were weighty, mm -hmm. bulky, physical, sure. and instead laminated the actual document. So now it's paper thin. Preserved. Preserved. The weight is next to nothing, and the storage space is a tenth. So there's a collection that could be as near and dear to me as you can imagine, and I was still able to pare down, not be a clutter bug, and have this available for future generations. We can all do this. Yes, it takes time and effort, but here again, the satisfaction of owning your space, of having your collections in control, it's a wonderful payoff. So what else? Memorabilia, map, matchbook covers, catalogs, maps, souvenir plates, trophies, plaques, yearbooks, um, rocks, shells, you name it. I mean, we collect. Sure. The American populace and, and Western industrialized nations throughout the world, we collect and we over-collect. And the line between collecting and over-collecting gets crossed in a hurry. Yeah, we cross it all the time. Yeah. What other things can we do to, to sort of organize our stuff and not become a clutter bug? Drawer by drawer, space by space, a little at a time, we begin to reclaim our holdings. Uh, you don't say one weekend I'm going through the whole house, one weekend I'm going through the whole office. As a rule of thumb, a half a file drawer in an office is about right in a week, about a half a file drawer a week. So you can paste this. Absolutely. At home, about the space of a closet, maybe three, four, five, six feet across by eight feet high with maybe one shelf at the top, about one closet a week 
but if you're ambitious, potentially the size of two or three. But one a week would be a victory. Because mm -hmm. depending on the size of your house, maybe you have eight closets, and in the course of two months, you've gone through all your closets, re redone those. Then you can begin on the larger rooms, but closets tend to be the, the holding bins. I have a grid that I call the replacement principle. If people would like a copy of that grid, they can email me at uh, jeff at breathingspace.com, jeff at breathingspace, 14 letters.com. It's a PDF chart. On my replacement principle, on the left-hand side, it talks about non-replacement policies and on the right hand side it talks about replacement policies so I'll give you an example a non-replacement policy you buy a filing cabinet because the other one that you have in place is stuffed to the gills and you can't get another document in there so you go get a second filing cabinet That's right. which means there's no guarantee that you won't be getting a third in time and so <laughs> on alright the replacement policy approach would be your files stay the same relative size because you continually pare down. You reduce files, you take out obsolete items, you combine items, use the backsides of sheets of paper, you recognize when something does no longer needs to be filed, it can be scanned, and so on. So that's the replacement policy approach to hard copy files. Now I've gone a step further in my own office and in my own practice. Every single piece of paper that comes in today, whether it's by mail, whether it's an, an attachment or whatever, well, attachment, it's already on file, but every single piece of paper that comes in, I first assess, if I'm going to retain it, I first assess for its scan ability. Even documents that represent um, financial conditions, uh, contracts, payments. I will scan contracts that I've undertaken with publishers, with meeting planners to have me appear at their event. And so I'm having fewer and fewer hard copy files because I now have it on the disk. And you know if you ever needed to make a hard copy, if you've scanned it effectively the first time, or scanned it effectively when you saved it, when you go to make a physical print, it'll come out 90 to 95% as good as the original. There's no real need to hold on to the physical document. Then I have an elaborate backup procedure so that my disks are backed up in case anything ever happened. I have a 32 gigabyte flash drive, thumb drive, some people call them, right. which, you know, that's not permanent storage, but it's semi-permanent storage. It's good for a couple years. And so I have all the data on my computer in my office on a single thumb drive that just stays safely wrapped up in the trunk of my car. Likewise, there are services that provide backup there are a variety of hard drives you can buy that you just snatch and run if the house is burning down, the office is in trouble. And so by using a backup system, you can safely scan 
documents and not worry about them. So that's one example. Here's another one. You have a collection, let's say, at work of annual reports, 10K statements, and other items from investments. But most of those you don't really read. You just have them. You get, you get quarterly reports from... They're references, yeah. Yeah, the references. Well, these days, obviously, there's an online component to all this stuff. Sign up for the document online. Sign up so that you can save the PDF if you want to on your hard drive or get back to it when you need to, but you don't have to house this stuff. Sign up so that you have peace of mind when it comes to your immediate environment. You didn't get another package in the mail. You don't have to decide what to do with it. You don't even have to tear it up and throw it out. It's available online. So as many of these as you can do, all your investments, all your, all your contracts, all your agreements, everything even of a fiduciary nature, financial, as many of those items as you can convert to some kind of electronic form, go ahead and do them. And I don't care if you sit there for a week signing up and registering and learning how to get on and choosing passwords. That week will be time well spent because the payoff will come over and over again. You will free yourself from being an office clutter bug. <laughs> and when you turn to your daily tasks. You'll have more focus, more energy, and more direction because there'll be less stuff in your immediate environment. What else can we do on this replacement principle idea? Suppose you, you, you travel and you've, you've got a ton of brochures and flyers and uh, stuff. You know, you're out and about and it all looks good when you're there and you want to get it back and sift through it when you come home. Well, first off, most people never do. The big bag. The big bag. And you, you take that latest bag and you recognize that you're just going to park it like the previous bag you parked. And all of a sudden you realize you've got a number of park bags from previous trips. You've never gone through any of that stuff. One night, make it a fun night. Make it a family night. Go through a bag or go through all the bags. Look at stuff. Throw it out. If you sense you don't need to retain it, you just wanted to see it once more, or scan it, or see if there's an online component to it, there normally is. If not the exact item that you had, something that's very close. If you want to hang on to the hard copy items, that's fine, but pare down the collection to the thinnest volume that will do the trick. Or give it away. That's the group. Potentially induce friends to take the same trip you did because you have this literature you can pass on to them. So you choose a time in which you're going to focus on this little collection that you assembled. Not everything, not the whole closet, not the whole filing cabinet, not the whole house, just this item. And that'll be just fine. Kind of a hot spot. Yeah, now as we proceed into the future, Recognizing the importance of keeping your collections under your control, not becoming a clutter bug. Now what happens is, as you travel, as you work with more clients or customers, as you enter into more agreements, as more documents come into your life, 
you recognize at the outset the importance of not creating another pile. And so you have a mental filter, if you will, with which to approach this next assemblage of stuff, information, whatever happens to be, and you're already weeding out at the outset and saying, based on my years of experience, my years in this industry, my years as a mother or father, my years as a uh, partner, I know what happens if I hold all of this. I know what the tax on me is, and I'm not going to pay that tax anymore. There is a holding tax on everything we retain, whether we acknowledge it or not. Storing it, maintaining it, dusting it, whatever. You know. And I know now that if this pile of stuff is, say, one linear inch thick, it's, suppose it's information, printed information, if I can knock that down now at the outset to one quarter inch, the payoff, the ramifications begin right now. Nice. All the way through my personal systems, I'll have less to deal with, and it'll be the higher quality stuff. So when you develop this mindset, clutter bug no more, you recognize the best time to take action is when the next potential assemblage comes your way. <laughs> And they'll come, oh, they're coming with increasing frequency. That's right. All right, last thoughts on this subject so that we don't become clutter bugs. We can avoid it. I love that. I know that uh, we, we all do it. Even when we think we get out of it, we do it. It's just, as you said, it's a part of this culture. So what are some final thoughts, last tips? And I really appreciate, maybe you can mention one more time where they can get that. Uh, graph chart. Oh, the, the replacement principle chart in PDF form, a single attachment. Uh, simply send me an email to jeff at breathingspace.com, jeff at breathingspace.com, and I'll send it right out depending on uh, where I am and what I'm doing. That's right. Parting thought every day for the rest of our lives, we're going to be subject to more stuff coming at us, personally and professionally the volume of material goods, of printed documents, of documents even online, is going to increase, not decrease. Yeah, if you've got your Kindles now and your other items, so, which could be good, but there's more, more, more. So, so online or off, hard copy or not, voluminous or thin, we can still make choices in the here and now, in the present, at the moment, that we're going to pare down immediately. We're going to retain only that sliver, that fraction, that subset that has future or continuing value to us. And if we do that in the here and now, then little by little, we'll maintain control of our spaces and places. It's a wonderful feeling. And the great news is everybody has this capability. Jeff, we will be committed to be a clutter bug no more. Jeff Davidson, thanks again for coming by.